2 Timothy chapter 1. There are extra Bibles at the back of the room. If you would like one, please uh, just Mariah's there. You can wave at her and make sure you get one. Second Timothy chapter one. Let's uh, pray and ask God for help this morning. <clears throat> Lord, I thank you so very much that you're here this morning. I thank you so very much that you are with us. I thank you so very much that you know our story, the ones that we don't tell. I thank you so very much that you know our pain, that you know our arrogance, that you know our insecurity, that you know our pride, that you know us, you created us, and that you love us. And with confidence today, knowing that you will answer, we ask that as we turn to the Scriptures, that you would please help us, help us to understand what we're reading. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. This morning, I want to start a new series called By Design. Um, Like it or not, believe it or not, you were created by design. There is a God who said, let there be light. There is a God who created you. And it's this is a really important truth. And we're going to look at a couple of different uh, principles, but I want to start with the Word as we do, right? And so we're going to start in 2 Timothy chapter 1, and just to kind of set the stage, Paul, who had been far from God, aware of how bad he was, had turned and become a religious, legalistic person and a religious uh, do-gooder and a passionate do-gooder to the point that he was persecuting, even killing with the authority of the government, uh, those who were Christians. So Paul was far from Jesus, was headstrong, and yet came to a place of realization that he was wrong. Came to a place of realization that he was dead wrong, and that he was a murderer. Now this, Paul, had an encounter with Jesus Christ and repented, turned around from the direction that he was going and turned to Jesus and began to lead others to Jesus pretty quickly in a matter of a few days. Now he had the benefit that he had years of training in the Old Testament, knew the scripture well, and when he had a personal encounter with Jesus, All of a sudden, it came to light how in every book of the Old Testament and the Bible you hold, Jesus is revealed. In every book of the Old Testament. Now, Paul had studied long, studied hard, prayed through the Psalms, knew the Lord's heart, knew what kind of a God that we serve, and then he began to lead others to Jesus, and in doing so, began to start churches. He'd start a church, raise up leaders, move on to another city, and do the same thing. And one of the leaders that he raised up was named Timothy. And this is the second letter that we have in the scripture that Paul wrote to Timothy. And what had happened uh, in between the first letter and this letter is that Paul was back in prison. Not for a crime he committed, but because he was representing Jesus. 
and because there were people that didn't like what was going on politically with the representation of Jesus. And this had been going on for a while. It was about seven years probably between the two letters, but a lot had happened. And Paul was pretty aware of the fact that most likely the Romans were going to execute him. Paul was writing this letter from a frame of mind of knowing that it was most likely he was going to be put to death for his faith in Jesus. He knew the Roman leaders under Caesar. He knew the landscape of what was going on. He knew that his death was coming. And this letter was a very important letter. And the opening phrases of this letter are deeply meaningful, deeply personal. And we believe that God the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write these words in a particular way that would be beneficial to us. Right? Because we believe that every aspect of the Word of God is beneficial to us. Amen? So that's that's where we start here. So I want to read uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1. I'd like to read just verses 6 through 10. And I would encourage you this week, as we're going to be in this passage for at least a couple of weeks, I would encourage you to read all of the letter. Second Timothy won't take you that long. So starting chapter 1, verse 6. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. So never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. And don't be ashamed of me either, even though I'm in prison for Him. With the strength God gives you, be ready to suffer with me for the sake of the good news. For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was His plan before the beginning of time. To show us His grace through Christ Jesus. And now, He has made all this plain to us by the appearing of Christ Jesus, our Savior. He broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life and immortality through the good news. Now, in this passage, we have one of my favorite verses. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power of love and a sound mind. Powerful, important verse. But what I'd like to do is focus our attention on verse 9. Oh, first, I'd like to talk about George Washington Carver. So, throughout the month of February, Black History Month, I like to pull some illustrations from the history of important African Americans in U.S. history. And before this week, I've done some that are much lesser known. Most of you would have heard of George Washington Carver. George Washington Carver was born uh, into slavery, was in fact kidnapped as an infant and sold again. Um, George Washington Carver faced truly evil in many ways as a child and continued to face evil challenges just to get an education. But he persisted. He persisted in education and he worked hard. And one of the things that he's most known for is discovering many uses for the peanut. I love crunchy peanut butter. You might not like that, but I, I do. I love crunchy peanut, peanut butter. And so I'm grateful to George Washington Carver for crunchy peanut butter, right? But I, you may or may not have ever heard why George Washington Carver was discovering over a hundred uses for the peanut. One of the things that George Washington Carver set out to do 
was to help his fellow man, in particular, poor African-American farmers that were working hard to earn a living to take care of their families. That's why he set out to discover so many uses for the peanut. Later on, he even discovered how to make gasoline for cars with a soybean. He, he discovered many different things. He set up what was called the Jessup Wagon, was something that he went around with different scientific discoveries that he had to help farmers learn how to, in a more cost-effective way, farm their crops to be able to support their families and care for them. Now, there's a couple of really easy lessons that we can take from George Washington Carver. One is that we're called. We're called, and in our life, we should have purpose. And one of the simplest purposes that we can have is to love God and to love people, right? But how do we love people? Well, one thing that you can do in whatever your work is, is find a purpose of loving people in your work. That's a, po- that's a possibility. Are you with me? Okay, I've been talking for a few minutes. I know some of our brains have already gone to peanut butter and other places. And just have your attention again right here. Whatever your work, folding clothes, doing laundry, doing diapers, whatever your work, there can be a purpose to love God and to love others. I also want to call your attention to the fact, and you may not be thinking about this, but when God said, let there be light and the Big Bang occurred, when God created our world, including the peanut in the Garden of Eden, when God created our world, he created it with hidden mysteries for us to discover. We serve the most creative being who have ever, who has ever lived and who will ever live. Do you think that it is the wisdom of humanity that discovered all these uses for the peanut? Or do you actually believe that a creative God who gave us the ability to be creative created the mineral, the dirt, the, the, the various plants of the earth from which we derive most pharmaceuticals today? Do you believe that the God of the universe who said, let there be light, who created things for our benefit, created within the peanut this amazing capacity and created our minds to also have a creative and a disciplined capacity to be able to set out to discover things? So to this day, we have scientists that are discovering ways to bring clean water and healing and prevention of malaria and other things just like George Washington Carver did to help serve the poor, to help love people by discovering the things that God has set in place for us to unlock and to discover. Okay, some of you are starting to get excited. That's good. Okay, you get what I'm saying? We are created by design. Our universe is created by design. God created the sand of the sea and the water with an ability to be a part of the glass that we look through. Our God created you how much more so than when God created the peanut and the sand did God create you with purpose. With purpose! Let's turn our attention back to verse 9. For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was His plan from before the beginning of time, to show us His grace through Christ Jesus. 
Here's from the NIV. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. What I'd like to do in this series is answer two really simple questions. They're on the screen. Does God love me? Does God have purpose for me? So see these two questions on the screen. My desire, and when we complete this series, is that on the inside of you, you have a confident hope that answers these questions. Does God love me? Does God have purpose for me? Are you with me? Right? As all of us in some way, when we come into seasons of stress, and we exhibit different behaviors that we feel like, well, that's not me. Somewhere underneath the behavior is a belief. Somewhere, maybe just for a moment, we have begun to believe a lie that He is unable to help us, that He doesn't love us. We have begun to believe a lie that He didn't create us with design, with purpose, with a calling, that He didn't grace us and enable us to fulfill our calling, to discover our calling. Somewhere when we feel stress, somewhere when we feel fear, somewhere when we feel anxiety, somewhere underneath that, see the factors that may be pressing in on us, that we say, no, Pastor Ben, that it's this factor, it's that factor. Yes and no. Yes, that may be a contributing factor, and no, there is also somewhere in the bedrock of your belief, a fraction, a little bit, where your belief in whether or not God loves you, whether or not God truly has called you, whether or not God has a plan for your life, that's been shaken. That needs to be restored. Amen? Amen just means I agree. So the functional words that we're pulling from 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 9 for this series are by design. I'm created by design. By design I am, I see on the screen, saved called, graced. Saved, called, graced. Last couple weeks we've been talking about the saved peace and salvation. And so I'm not going to spend as much time there. But I would encourage you, you can listen to the recording on our website or with iTunes to go back last two weeks and listen to some of what we talked about in the power of our story and the truth of salvation and the biblical truth about salvation and what it means. It's so, so very important that we have a bedrock understanding of our salvation and what that means. Now, that is in the foundation of the good news. It's an essential part of it, but it is not all of the good news. But it is so critical. The writer of Hebrews puts it like this. How then shall we overcome or how then shall we have a faith to outlast our challenges? If we ignore so great a salvation. See, when I feel weak, when I feel exhausted, when I feel inadequate, somewhere on the inside of me, I've drifted a little too far from my confident hope in my salvation. And I just need maybe a minute, maybe an hour, maybe a day to just move a little closer. And yes, the questions and the challenges need to be answered. But yes, also, you need to just open your Bible and begin to ask questions and understand your salvation and what that really means and what the implications of that are. Because see, if I am confident in my salvation, out of that 
comes much easier a natural byproduct of a confidence that God is in control, that God's got this, regardless of whatever the challenge I'm facing. Can I get an amen? Amen. Right? That's what that means. So somewhere I've got to move myself back a little bit closer, remind myself, and I say to myself, Self! God saved me because He loved me. God created me by design. Right? I am saved. I am called. I am graced. We've got to remember that our salvation means that our guilt has been removed. That God's redemptive plan is at work in me and in this evil world that I walk in. Let's turn our attention to this idea of being called. Called, and you see in the verse, called to a holy life. Now, human nature might recoil from that verse just a little bit because the emotions you might feel are a legalistic, religious call for you to act better. We really need to put that away. That's not how we should respond to this verse. That's not how Timothy would have responded to this verse because Timothy and Paul had a context of conversation. Many, 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 many hours of of context of conversation as to what that phrase meant. And yet today, here and now, it's easy, maybe most natural for most of us to respond to that. You're called to live a holy life with a religious, legalistic, I need to act better. I need to not do those things and I need to do these good things. Am I making any sense? Right? But that's not what he means. That's not what this Greek that Paul writes to Timothy means in this letter. Are you wondering what it means? (laughs) Here's what he's talking about. He's saying, Timothy, God created you. And God created you with specific purpose. And when God created you with specific purpose, he set you aside like creating a unique snowflake with a unique purpose, God set you aside for that purpose, both with the small things in every little moment, with the big things in your state of being and who you are, and in the whole journey of your life, even when you find yourself in places you didn't expect to be, given an opportunity to do things you never thought that you would be able to do. Timothy, you have been created by design. God's given a promise over your life, and God has called you. He's commissioned you. He's given you a life on mission, and that is a life for you to be you. Not for you to try to be Pastor Ben. Not for you to be, try to be Pastor Rebecca. Not for you to pretend that you are somebody else. You're not trying to walk around and pretend to be T.D. Jakes or Joyce Myers, right? God did, He called you to be you. Amen. He created you with design to be who you are. Specifically who you are. And in this series, we're going to unpack that and what that means. But called to live a holy life means that I have a concept that I've woken up to the fact that God created me to be me. Yes. Right? That God created me to be me. And God gave me a very specific purpose. And it is a holy purpose. And a part of what that means is that when God's given me a mission and a purpose in my life, I cannot accomplish the mission in my, and purpose in my life out of joy, out of an overflow of love, out of a, as a thank you to God and not a legalistic spirit of I gotta do good stuff. I can't live out of joy if I'm messing around with selfish sin. Thank you. Because what selfish sin done is it pulls me down, it pulls me this way, pulls me this way, and between the pleasure and then the pain and then the pleasure and then the pain and then the guilt and the remorse, 
I don't have any energy left to be happy. I don't have energy left to enjoy God in his presence. I don't have any energy left to do the good stuff. See, what we can miss is that it's not about don't do this because if you do that, you're a bad person. It's actually about if you get caught up in that... I almost cursed. If you get caught up in that stuff, you don't have the energy to be you and be all of you and smile and be happy and be doing what you're called to do. You cannot serve two masters. If I am a slave over here with a compulsion, I have no choice. I am trapped by my secret sin. This is why the power of confessed sin is so amazing. To a select group of few, confessed sin brings freedom. And now I can speak the truth of what God's love really means in my life, and now I have freedom. And now I have the energy. Now I have the energy to be all of me. And now when I'm in the break room at work, or when I'm on the street with my neighbor who is a beast of a person, when I'm free, I I can breathe. I have more grace. I have more joy. And when I'm confronted, whether it's somebody who keyed your car, when I'm confronted with the realities of life, I'm not in a bound up state of mind, but I am free to be who I am called to be in that moment, to be set aside with his peace, with his joy, and respond in a way that makes them go, huh, who the heck are you? And how are you like that? Which gives you an opportunity to talk about Jesus. Am I making any sense? This is what this saved, called to a holy life, that's what that's talking about. I am set apart. I, you are set apart, but is your mind and your spirit open to that reality that I am set apart to be who God wants me to be and to do what God wants me to do. See, if I don't have a vision in front of me, an excitement that my life can be better, that God, the creator of the universe, who is about stuff that's way bigger than whether or not I'm happy, that God has a purpose for me in my life, if I don't have an excitement about that, trying to just not do this thing I always do that's bad, is impossible! Freedom from habitual secret sin does not occur without an interaction with Jesus and a revelation that you are called for good. If all you're focused is don't do that, don't do that, what are you going to do? You're going to go do that. If I don't think about a a, a green panda, don't think about a green panda, don't think about a green panda. What are you thinking about? Right? But if instead I'm thinking about Jesus loves me, Jesus loves me, Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him there's no other. Jesus is the way. If I'm setting my heart on him, that's what Paul meant when he wrote those words to Timothy. Timothy, you were called to a holy life. You were called. Ha, ha, isn't God good? Because it's simple. Love God, love people. We've got to come to a place of asking ourselves for our own lives, do we see what God sees? If you'd like to test that, just come ask Rebecca or me. No, I'm serious. Because we pray for you every day. We pray for you all the time. 
So we might see something for your life that you don't know. And we, we don't want you to hate being around us, so we're not walking around telling you all the time. Amen. I remember what it was like to think about the word potential as a curse word. You know what I'm talking about? You don't want to hear somebody tell you what your potential is because you're just bummed out because you're struggling. Is that reality, right? The truth of the matter is, though, when a God-given vision is spoke to you, it breathes life. And there's joy. And it's not like that potential conversation. What concerns me, when we don't have confidence in God's plan and purpose for our lives, when we walk through life without vision, we are walking a dangerous line. I am concerned about your level of hope for your own life. I am going after a natural connection with Jesus that has a supernatural result where from the inside of you, you have a revelation of how special you are, of how uniquely designed you are, of how much God loves you, of how how amazing your life can be, that you have a joy that comes up on the inside of you that you can't explain, you can't articulate, because what is building inside of you is a confidence that God created you by design. God does have a purpose. He does love you. He is going to divinely enable you to accomplish those things that are beyond you. Because if on the inside of you, you've got a sense of whatever it is that I'm called to be, in whatever unique thing, whatever unique thing God called me to be, there is purpose. When you have that, you are unstoppable. So when the enemy comes and the basement is flooded and the tire is flat and I need a surgery and I, I can't meet the deductible, the enemy is not after your money. He's after your peace. What we need is a confident hope. And what we need to do is ask Jesus for help with that confident hope. This is Victor Green. Victor Green is one of my favorite people in black history. Victor Green was a mailman. Victor Green recognized that under Jim Crow laws, more evil in our country, under Jim Crow laws and segregation, as automobiles became more... um, I had a road trip on the brain. I had taken a road trip this afternoon, right? As automobiles became cars, thank you, as cars became more affordable and families could take road trips, that because of the deep racism and anger and hatred, even among people that called themselves Christians in our country, it was not safe for African-American families to drive across country and enjoy this beautiful country. It was not safe. And so Victor Green realizes that as a mailman out here on the East Coast, that he could produce information of safe places where African-American families could go while they were on a road trip. Because what happened was Rockefeller, who owned what's now ExxonMobil, through there, they had started to, they were the first major uh, American white-controlled business started to franchise with African-Americans that had African-American service stations, gas stations that were safe places where they could go to get gas. Now, it's jacked up that that had to be done, but it was it was positive in its own way, right? And so what Victor Green uh, did was he produced what's called the Green Book, right? Now, it later evolved into something else. 
but producing the green book, he, he began to compile, and what he would do is he'd write letters to the, the mailman's union, to other mailmen all across the country, and get back information of restaurants, and gas stations, and hotels, and homes where people would take in people and their families. They, they, were, they were safe for African Americans to go where they could travel, so they didn't have to try to drive all through the night in a hot summer, sleep in their cars, be unsafe, be feared for their physical safety. Now, in the face of evil, that's beautiful, right? Now, as decades progressed, um, the uh, NAACP uh, realized that it it started to kind of turn into um, further contributing to segregation, and so they came up with a new one uh, that kind of also showed uh, places where integration was safe, uh, and that, that was a great evolution of it. But Victor Green's original intent, here he is, And don't you think he had bills? And don't you think he had medical issues? And don't you think he had his own life? And don't you think he... But what did he do? He found purpose. And we're going to talk about this a little bit more detail next week. But he found purpose. And he found God-honoring purpose where he could love God and love other people, serve other people in a way that would help somebody else. That's pretty cool. Saved. Called. Right? Now... He didn't quit his job. Now, after a couple of decades, he had to. He retired, and then he just was paid full-time by the Green Book. And the, the picture that you see on the screen there is a children's book about this called uh, Ruth and the Green Book that you can find in the library. There is a purpose in our life. And for some of us, it's within what we're already doing. And for some of us, it's realizing that there's something more that we can do, right? Now, this might sound... A little bit intimidating. So, let's turn to the scripture and get a little bit of encouragement. How, how, how do I start on this journey of being called? Well, first of all, we got to start with the basics, right? Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You see on the screen there, Jesus is the way, John 14, 6. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So, first of all, don't take off by yourself. What I realized in my uh, years of frustration that God was not revealing to me what I was supposed to do next was that sometimes God does it that way. He doesn't reveal it to us because he knows that if he did, we would take off and try to do it on our own and be a shipwreck. Right? All out of our own strength, out of our own mind. So instead, at times, God shows us the very next step and the long term and does not reveal what's in between Because he wants to keep us dependent upon him. Because he knows if we will be dependent upon him, we will have peace. And we won't freak out. See, I find we often will overestimate what we will do in the short run, but underestimate what we will do in the long run. I don't have a mic to drop. (laughs) I find we will overestimate what we will do in the short run and underestimate what we will do in the long run and that causes us problems and I'm going to talk about the positive side of that next week. Jesus is the way. Don't take off and try to do it in your own strength. And we gotta, we gotta, the amount of people that I know that call themselves Christian that never touch their Bible just blows my mind. God revealed himself to us, right? Psalm 119 is a poem that's all about the power of the word. Right? It's what Jesus prayed. 
You're, what, what His Word is a light unto your feet, a lamp unto your path, right? You want to know God? You want to know your calling? You've got to be in the Word. When you feel inadequate, any, anyone ever feel like there is some promise for your life, but you don't have what it takes? You don't have to raise your hand. It's okay. When I feel inadequate, there are powerful things in the Word, truth, true statements that you can make that will help you, such as Philippians 4.13 on the screen, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now that is the context for that verse, right? You're feeling inadequate about something that God has called you to do. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And then Hebrews 12, 2, you see on the screen there. How do we do this? How do we overcome in this life? How do we step, step out in this great mission that God has given us? Keeping our eyes on Jesus. Keeping our eyes on Jesus. Yes, it really is that simple. It really is. And if we don't have that simple foundation, when we get to the more complicated questions, we will make catastrophic mistakes. We've, we cannot get off this simple foundation. It's essential. So, faith statements. What are our faith statements? I believe God saved me because He loves me. Will you say that with me? I believe God saved me because He loves me. Right? I believe God created me with design. Let's do that one. I believe God created me with design. Doesn't that feel good? Come on, there is some powerful biblical truth. We kept it simple this morning with just a few simple verses, but these are themes that are actually running throughout Scripture that are deep. This is, sometimes I give you these messages that are like an iceberg, and I don't mean like you're the Titanic, don't, that's the wrong direction. What I mean is, you know that an iceberg, most of the mass of an iceberg is below the surface, right? Some of these messages that I give you are like that. What we hear on Sunday, I'm giving you the stuff just on the surface, and if you will investigate on your own through the scripture, you will find that's where most of it is. Isn't God good? Come on, let's stand and and close in prayer. Lord, I thank you so very much that no matter what state we're in today, if we've, we've got a head cold and we're fighting to concentrate or we're tired or we're feeling inadequate or we're on the top of the world or feeling fantastic, that in whatever state that we are in today, that you are with us. I thank you that you've created each of us by design, that you did, you saved us, removed the guilt of our sin. I thank you that you have called us to live a holy life set apart for your purpose. I thank you that you've not designed it to be difficult and frustrating and impossible, but instead you've designed it to be simple. That if we will follow you, that if we will rely on you, that it can be simple. And that we can see things in our life that we never thought possible. I thank you for that today, Lord. Let there be healing and encouragement and strength in the house today and in the homes of every person, Lord, that calls this their church, Lord. We thank you for what you're doing in our city. We thank you for the growth. We thank you for the change. We thank you for the opportunity to provide shoes to the homeless. Lord, we thank you for all those that are serving them today. Lord, please, 
Give us clean hands and a pure heart and a mission for our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 God bless you. Thank you so much for being here today. Ended up.